Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Gina. Hi, Ioni. Hi, everyone. I'm Gina, the senior editor of Polyester. And I'm Ioni, the founding editor-in-chief of Polyester, and this is the Polyester Podcast, a feminist pop culture podcast dissecting the discourse on a weekly basis. Before we start, if you're a fan of this podcast, please make sure to like, subscribe, and rate. And if you really love us, you can sign up for a podcast membership where you can join our Discord and get on our Instagram course friends for only three quid a month. Do we have any reviews, Ioni? So we have an unofficial review that I sent to, I've sent on unofficial means because you can't review podcasts on Spotify, which is annoying. But yeah, this is from our friend, Nadine. Hello, shout out Nadine. <laughs> Hi Nadine. Polyester helps me do my, ho- my homework. I'm 12. <laughs> Sorry. Polyester helps me do my housework, so thanks, girls. If it wasn't for you both, my house would be minging. (laughs) Listening to Ioni and Gina take the piss and have fun with each other while articulating their thoughts on topics I care too deeply about because I'm chronically online is so nice. I especially like when you both disagree with each other because I'm fed up of hosts wanking each other off and being so agreeable all the time. I get why it's only 30 minutes, but I pay to listen to you for longer. Much love, Slagarella from London. That is so nice. That's the kindest anyone's ever been to me. I love them. Right. What are we talking about this week, Ioni? Oh, right. What else have I been talking about? Nothing. Apart from, I've been talking about nothing else for the last two weeks. Saltburn, which I stupid okay. like. Okay, let me just tell you this. I never go to cinema anymore. I feel like COVID killed cinema for me. I feel like me and Eden spoke about this on the podcast before. I've literally, since COVID, I've only been to see The Batman. Um, June, which literally gave me sinusitis and scarred me. Like, I have actual trauma. Um... Don't worry, darling. Bones and all. And now Saltburn. Oh, and Barbie. So I suppose I've been a bit. That's not that's not like nothing. Five films in two years is not much. Oh. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I think it's six, but okay. I'm like on a high because I saw two films in one day the other day. So I'm like, oh, oh yes, I, okay. I own like a box now. So we're talking about Saltburn, which I saw two weeks ago and I fucking hated yeah, I'd like you to paint a picture of your trip to the cinema and the the hour that happened after you left the cinema. <laughs> oh, I can't remember that long. Okay, so I went to cinema. Yeah, you can. It was so fucking funny. I can pretend Why? to you and tell okay. you what exactly what happened. <laughs> so I went to cinema and also, like, I have this thing. I don't know if it's because I'm nearly 30 now, but always I always need to wee in films now. Um, that's just probably another COVID thing as well. So halfway through, I went to the, <laughs> went to the toilet and like the toilet was really dirty, which, you know, whatever. But it was, like, really periody. And then so I went back into... The, the cinema screen and it was the period scene in Saltburn. I was just like Ugh. oh also like um spoiler warning we're going to talk about this entire film yeah also I'm not anti-periods you know but like I don't want to have to clean up someone else's period in the toilet I think that's just like a normalcy of life uh, I'm not like anti-period sex either so no one say I'm not a bad feminist for what <laughs> 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 what he was going, and I also love period sex. No, I'm not anti it, is what I said. It's because there's period sex in Saltburn. 
All oh, right, okay, fine. <laughs> anyway, number four, <laughs> it was parents. So then I was already a bit annoyed because I was literally like watching fucking Barry. How do you say his last name? Keegan. Keegan, yeah, I think. Like, go, I'm a vampire while he's fucking licking out someone's period. <laughs> but I was already like, oh. Anyway, and then the film just got worse and worse and worse for me. I completely was like, this is probably the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. And I could have walked out of the film and been 100% fine with my decisions. I texted Gina saying I never wanted to watch another film again in my life because Saltburn pissed me off that much. Have I missed anything? That was not the only thing you text me. What else did I text you? I got about 20 different texts of you going, <laughs> I hated it. It was the worst film I've ever seen. She's ruined cinema. I can't believe this has been put out. I am having uh, conniptions as a working well, class how woman. Is a conniption? Like a fit. Okay. I didn't say the conniptions because I don't know what that word is, but yeah. That's a word that I would use to describe what was happening to you yeah. in the, 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 the straightaway after and the following two weeks since you've seen the film. I was like physically annoyed. Like it spiked my nervous system to a point where I could not relax for like four days that's how much I hated this film yeah so much oh and I also saw Bo's Afraid in the cinema and I was as viscerally angry at Bo's Afraid yes again I could have walked out of Bo's Afraid and been fine comfortable in my decision I think Bo's Afraid is better than this (laughs) you know what I would say yeah I would agree with you there. I enjoyed Bo's Afraid more than I enjoyed Saltburn. Yeah, and that's the biggest insult I think I could give a film. <laughs> no, I enjoyed Bo's Afraid more. <laughs> okay, so, right, let's get into it. For anyone that hasn't seen Saltburn... What about me? Okay, go. You can tell, your, tell us your reaction. You liked it. You're fronting right now. No, I know. I'm going to say... Go on. So when he instilled the fear of God into me about this film, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hate. I've wasted my money now because I'd already pre-booked with Imogen to go. Mm-hmm. So I've wasted my money. I'm just gonna have to go anyway." Told Mav not to bother. I was like, "It's gonna be awful. I'm gonna leave here enraged. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be the opposite of a Ken Loach film. Like I'm gonna be so angry. Yeah, not that they don't make me angry, but very different. And then what was I gonna say? Right, okay, so I went in. Yeah, watched it. Had some laughs. A few giggles left my mouth, some gasps, some gasps were gasped. Um, the film ended. Which I actually then... have a really good piece of research about. I don't know where I could find, I can't find it in my research, but it was like, it was basically a review that was saying this film is like made for British people to go, oh my goodness. Oh yeah, no, you said that. <laughs> oh, I'm beside myself, I can't believe what I've just seen. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. God, it's like fucking. Anyway, it's like Downton Abbey met Lars von Trier. Yeah, watched one Lars von Trier film. I think that um, is more without the joy. complimentary than she deserves. Okay, Saltburn is a movie destined to be spoken about with uniquely British outrage. It's devilishly dark, fiendishly clever, gleefully twisted. Says Patrick's brow for dazed. Saltburn can posh people write good class satire. Short answer of that is no. All it needed was a one-word article. They can't. But yeah, here we are. We're doing can't. the podcast. I, um, yeah, and then it was, it was kind of like one of those films where I in, 
I have to say I enjoyed watching it while I was watching it, but I was also going, what's the point the whole time? And then I also was just kind of nostalgically hooked in by being like, I miss going to clubs and drinking WKDs. And then also... No one in Saltburn would drink a WKD, but yes. He's drinking a Smirnoff Ice in a scene. I remember specific Imogen going, still- he's got a Smirnoff Ice. Smirnoff Ice is rich yes. and WKD. No, it's not. Anyway, yes. same price in the supermarket. Yeah, but it's about, you know, brandy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think Big Smirnoff Ice would be really happy with that. <laughs> Anyway, we actually need to say what the film is because if anyone has yeah. no fucking clue what Saltburn is, they're going to be like, "Watch, it's been ten minutes and they haven't said anything." So, Saltburn is Emerald Fennell's second sophomore feature. Emerald Fennell is, um, important context, essentially a very rich person herself. Her dad is a celebrity jeweler who has the nickname the King of Bling. Um, she grew up extremely rich. She has a very rich boy voice. Um, a TikTok came up that was like, you know, when Letterboxd put their mics in people's faces at film premieres and it was like what are your top four films she was like i love letterboxd oh i adore it and it's like fuck oh <laughs> literally yeah, i remember off. like when promising young woman no, 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 no. i've got to get to the synopsis i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> so salt burn it's got jacob alordi in it it's got barry keegan in it it's got um Rosamund Pike in it. It's got Rich D. Grant in it, who Emerald Fennell has known since she was two years old. She grew up with Rich D. Grant, another important piece of context. Um, it also has Carrie Mulligan in it, and it has the girl that was in Conversations with Friends, which I'm really sorry, I don't know her name. Uh, it also has Archie, I don't know how to say his last name, Archie Magquay, something like that, who is quite good in it. But it's about Oxford in 2006. Barry Keegan goes, he's like a poor little rich, no, poor little poor boy. Jacob Elordi is a poor little rich boy. And Barry Keegan wants to be in with the eight crowd, which is Jacob Elordi's friends. He then helps Jacob Elordi with a task. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying this unspoilery. A task? task. A task. <laughs> he helps Jacob Elordi with a task and gets invited to Saltburn, which is Jacob Elordi's country manor. It's a castle. It's a manor house. It's a National Trust home. It's huge. Um, Rosamund Pike plays the mum, Rich D. Grant plays the dad, and things unfold, and it turns out that Barry is just trying to get all their riches. <sighs> oh, and there's like a really weird scene where like they've set up that Barry's from like a proper rough background, like his parents are like drug addicts, drug dealers, alcoholics. Yeah, so Barry lies about his family being addicts and dealers and like living on a council estate and stuff and then he's actually like middle class and that's meant to be like a big gotcha moment yeah it's it's that thing of again just pitting the working classes against each other isn't it well i think it shows where emerald Fennell's disdain really lies because up until that point there's like a lot of jokes about rich people like rosamund pike is really good in it at like portraying a rich woman like an older rich woman not or not like a middle-aged rich woman like she has like a lot of like bites to her jokes and she is funny and she's like pitch perfect with it but also she is that woman like she is a posh British woman so it's like how far from the truth is it and Carrie Mulligan plays like a like a wistful rich person that you know life has gone off the rails for her and up until that point you're like oh this is satire of rich people and then I feel like when Emerald Fennell lands the scene that Barry is actually lying about his class background and like 
kind of um establishes him as the villain of it that's when it loses lost any humor for me because it becomes less of like a satire or less of punching up like and it just becomes rich people making jokes about how funny they are like how quirky their lifestyle is and i don't think rich people jokes are funny when it's just them laughing at like each other yeah and i thought this is the first bit of research you put in our research document saying like are we being sold this fantasy that rich people are like stupid like and rich people are like silly and like why are we being told that like what what's the actual root of that being come across as a message and it kind of reminded me of the whole like Boris thing like yeah Richard E. Grant basically plays like a Boris cosplay where he's like got bad hair and he's always going oh gosh and like never really knows what's going on so the first line of this article the article is Saltburn is a bride's head for the incel age, Richard Brody for the New Yorker. And the opening is, if the rich blithered as much in real life as they do in the movies, they'd have been eaten long ago. The fantasy that the privileged are easily gulled has a powerful law. By placing riches in opposition to acumen, it reassures us that luxury and status are probably unearned. That just as youth is said to be wasted on the young, wealth is wasted on the wealthy, and that it wouldn't take much to get it into the right hands. True. Facts of facts, America. And I think when you contextualise it through Emerald Fennell, then you're like, well, she's purposely doing that to protect her class and her class that he does. Yes, 100%. That's the thing. It's like she's tried to paint this film in many ways. Like in some interviews, she said it's like a tale of obsession. Um, in others, she said it's like a traditional Gothic masterpiece vibe, like compared it to like Wuthering Heights and stuff like that. And in others... So I said in my notes that she basically thinks that she's a British John Waters. So there's like a lot of gross out things in the film as well. Like I'm sure most people have seen the memes about Barry guzzling Jacob Lordy's cummy bathwater. And then there's like many other kind of like of that level in a commas gross out moments. And um, in some interviews, she's made the point, which like John Waters often says when he does interviews as well. And it's like, oh, I'm a equal opportunity satirist. Like, I, satir- I satirise everyone, like, whether you're rich, poor, fat, skinny, black, white, like, disabled, not non-binary or cis, like, everyone's kind of up for it, up for, you know, the joke, up for debate. I feel like that's what Emerald Fennell's trying to do here. It's like, well, I'm satirising rich people as much as I'm satirising the poor people that want to be them. And it's like, you're not, though, because you're literally painting, A, these aristocrats as, like, the victims of, like, a middle-class boy which is just a weird thing to do and be like there's I feel like there's a very notable distinction in the film where her rich characters are treated like a lot of with a lot of love whereas her poor ones are treated with a lot of contempt yeah literally like everyone's a everyone's so shallow to begin with like there's the the only redeeming one in the end kind of becomes Jacob Lordy's character because you're like he he's just been born into it and and he can't help it which is what she the message she wants to send out to the world isn't it and like how she can get around as someone who was yeah, born into like you it. can't help where you or you're born into but that doesn't count if you're fucking rich mate so another another really good opening line is the new york times review a promising young man takes a seedy town by wesley morris 
Saltburn is the sort of embarrassment you'll put up with for 75 minutes, but not for 127. It's too desperate, too confused, too pleased with its petty shocks to rile anything you'd recognize as genuine excitement. And this is what made me like click the, well, this is what kind of confirmed the John Waters thing for me. There's like a really good line and it's like, when the time comes for the movie to make it switch to gothic mischief, it's like watch, watching the first half of Psycho turn into a video for George Michael's Freedom 90. What does that look like? <laughs> <laughs> Oliver sneaks a peek. As fe- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Flicks masturbates in the tub, and once the coast is clear, he bends over and sips the draining bath water. It's a fine shot that's also an absurd thing to have this guy do, which is how you know the movie is failing as a good work of trash. I didn't laugh or gape. I just sat there watching an actor do his damnedest to save the rest of the movie before it heads down the drain. The it's like, drain. I think she thinks she's really funny, and like that's really the unappealing. Drain. The literal, yeah. So clever, a clever bit of wordplay there. <laughs> um, and I think another thing about this film is that. Miss Fennell really thinks her audience is stupid. So when the big twist comes at the end, which is that Barry was killing them all and like wanted to take over Saltburn and, and have the riches, the beginning, which I don't believe. She does it like a fucking like I don't believe either. It makes no sense. She does it. This is this sort of like Miss Marple reveal where it's like, and this is how I did this bit, and this is how I did this bit, and that just makes me think that she genuinely thinks the average cinema goer is thick because like anyone who watched that film could see that he was doing it the whole time do you know what i mean well i don't know because we had not the whole time but as in as soon as the first person died you're like all right he's killed jacob lordy all right that's why it doesn't make any sense though because she's painted it as this tale of obsession of him with this guy and then if you're obsessed with the last 20 minutes it tries to be like no he wasn't obsessed with him he was just really smartly using him to get access to his wealth and like mm-hmm. uh, corrupt his family. Yeah. But you wouldn't guzzle the cummy bath water of someone <laughs> who you were planning on murdering for their money. You're right. And I also think there's like so much of the film that is like when he first gets to Saltburn, etc., it kind of feels like he's learning the codes, like he's learning how to assimilate into the 
world and that's how he becomes like more cunning or more charismatic or more smart so then it kind of makes sense like oh he's learning how to like you know charm the mother he's learning how to like seduce the sister all of these types of things but then it's like no he was that smart all along and it's like no he fucking wasn't otherwise he wouldn't have been like so sheepish when he first arrived there and like yeah there's the, you know the I mean? scene as well they're trying to act like he saw it from like looking out his window and catching fucking jacob's roly reflection <laughs> like he saw that went i'm gonna go corrupt the old family did he fuck like, and it would have just been better if he'd like if they'd show a showed more of like him coming up with this plan and executing it and b if she'd managed to do show him like slowly turning evil while within salt bin like it corrupted him and i feel like it all just comes down to that she can't write a fucking film save a life she can't like something that i saw researching this today is that like every single review mentions the vibes it's like this is a film of vibes this is vibes like the vibes do this the vibes do that a vibes died at the beginning of this year vibe is out vibes no. i'm sick of vibes, vibes i can't be asked with vibes vibes year. isn't I'm a word that i want to use anymore and the only people i think still using the word vibes is rich idiots who want to go to like want to go to Boomtown, but also want to have a yurt while they're there. Well, that's what this film is. Is it's those people? Like, I don't know. I think the way that it just like clearly resents a its audience and b anyone that is not super rich is hell, and she's like very confused. I also think the comparison calling it incel cinema is bad because like Barry gets a lot of skirts are you in the in between us we shacks all the time that's the whole point he's shagging he's been shagging and like what so an incel is now just someone who's like weird i don't get it anyway it feels like this film has confused critics in trying to use like as many bold words as possible to describe it and nothing really gets to the bottom of it because it's an absolute, like, classist piece of absolute shit. <laughs> no, I was going to say, the other thing that's really annoyed me is that she can't decide what the film is. So then in an interview for Letterboxd, she said, this is one thing that just, like, made my absolute skin crawl. Maybe I'm being facetious, but I don't think there's anything in this film that's that sick, especially when I've been used to seeing women's bodies treated abominably in film and television. I hate it. She uses feminism in like such the weirdest like, way. Nothing. You've made a film about two boys. What the fuck? Yeah, you want yeah like what do you women have to do it? with it? There's literally nothing about women. There's like a couple of eating disorder jokes. Yeah, and Rosamund Pike um, is fit. Like that's like, great. Yeah, that's like the most it has in terms of interest towards. And women, also, it has all. a very graphic, horrible scene of two women dying two very horrible graphic scenes of two women dying in probably like the most I don't know like misogynistic ways the way that strips them of agency yeah they have no agency exactly in like it's really like you can't bring feminism into it at all and then her trying to obviously trying to still trying to cash in on her promising young woman points which also was arguably not a feminist film yeah also something that really annoyed me about like the writing around Saltburn and people keep mentioning there's like a scene where Barry is hungover and he pukes in his like little sink that's in his uni room. And everyone's like, wow, sick at Oxford. It's like, A, Emil Fennell just learned what objection was last year and has decided to use it in every possible way imaginable. <laughs> B, rich people throw up as well. Like, what the fuck are you on about? Why is it shocking to rich see people some people famously throw up? Have you not heard of the Roman Empire? 
Um, one of our friends said, well, Megan, who listens to this, Meg Winston, was like, it just felt like a long Skins episode. And I was like, exactly. And Skins was never known for its fucking cultural critique. I don't know why we're all like holding it as this bastion of that. A lot has been said about the fact that it's um, set in 2006. Like, Emerald Fennell has said herself, like, oh, I wanted it to be cringy. Like, now you can't base something in the early noughties because we have nostalgia for it, whereas we don't have nostalgia for... 2006 2007 because it's too recent which a shows she's never fucking studied like how trend cycle works in her life because we literally are operating on a 15 to 20 year trend cycle so 2007 is like b um literally yeah b um this whole film feels like a vehicle for her nostalgia of growing up rich and going to oxford and like hanging around these types of people so in a guardian op-ed is Saltburn the most divisive film of the year by Adrian Horton? It says, here's a botched nostalgia for one. The film starts with a full-throated announcement that this is the class of 2006 at Oxford, ripe then for the ascendant mid-aughts nostalgia for millennials, and then plays fast and loose with the time period. There are no smartphones, sure, but there's no specificity either. The characters watch a film released in 2007, Superbad, do karaoke songs popular in 2008, Flow Riders Low. Many have written elsewhere about how the film has nothing to say about class or the pervasion version sorry of wealth but it also has little that feels 2006 about either it's just around the time when Fennell herself was at Oxford yeah like she made a massive thing about how Jacob's wearing a live strong band like a live strong yellow band around his wrist and it's like who yeah when they're all reading the fucking new Harry Potter book yeah like this Harry Potter in like 30 shots I also found it funny in the day's article they like starred out Harry Potter (laughs) that's so funny (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think what I think it all comes back to and I was finding while I was reading the research I was like there's no way to take in this film without thinking about the director and I felt at first I was like that's a bit harsh like how many films do ultimately come down to the director like there's that whole death of the author Roland Barthes thing being like you should always like view a piece of media as like separate from the person who created it and like not use that context and like see if it stands up on its own but A it doesn't and then B, it's so fucking autobiogra- <laughs> autobiographical that it's impossible. And then I was... I... Yeah, she said herself, like, you can never separate yourself from your work. Like, whatever you do, it's always going to be about you. Plus, I feel like in the age we're in of, like, influencers and, like, individualist society, being a director, like, an auteur exists more now than it did when we were teenagers, I'd say, like, growing Therefore. up. I probably learned about like Martin Scorsese when I was like 18. Like before that, I didn't give a fuck who was directing my yeah, film. The media, you know what I mean? the, like, whereas now, you know, and you're into yeah, it. Yeah, I think the media cycle, because it's had to include so much social media element to it, has made us more aware of those people, like as people of themselves. So, like, yeah. the whole Ridley Scott like press run is making everyone like adore him because he's just been a freak. Also, the strike, because so this film came out like the week after or the days following like something very close to the strike ending so obviously we've had like a whole summer of only directors being able to do press for their films and because of that Emerald Fennell's probably done way more press even though the strike was technically over than she thought she would no not even that she thought she would I'm sure she loves it but like than usually we'd see of directors so obviously we're gonna we're gonna see them and have opinions on them and plus I want to know who makes my art like it's a it's like a glaring indictment of like who gets to make art and especially what women get to make art. And I've seen a lot of tweets being like, yeah, it's sexist. Like no one would say this shit about like a 
rich male director and it's like well cool but do we not that doesn't mean they're beyond also criticism. i expect more from someone who's in some kind of marginalized identity to have a bit of fucking credibility towards the messages they're trying to portray yeah but i think it's just so i think her limited range is just so glaringly obvious throughout even the way the women talk to each other in the film it's like one of these other um reviews said something to the effect of like oh it might actually have been more funny if like rosamund pike and carrie mulligan went to ab fab but emerald fennel's aim wasn't actually comedy it's opulence like she wanted to show how like fabulous these women are that they just talk around making like talk making ill-informed jokes about the poor but they're like the winners eventually because they're the ones sitting there in the yeah no house. she's not make, making any hard punches towards anyone apart from barry's character which pissed me off especially the more i thought about it because i'm like barry is an actor is from such a working class background like he's got like mm-hmm. such a fucking yeah. incredible life story to him mm-hmm. getting to where he is and then this rich girl's got to make mm-hmm. a rich film about being rich got the working class boy in it and got him to do all these depraved things on screen <laughs> and they're not depraved things on screen which is just like generally how she would put it (laughs) and then just to make the punchline be rich people aren't that bad if poor people had the opportunity they would yeah (sighs) yeah it shows how like little she knows about like communities as like community building as well and like working class solidarity and like all of this stuff like it's just i kind of left the film being like good for him i wasn't asked Uh, Well, I feel like that was another thing she was trying to get across was like, yeah, like, you know, all those memes about like Gone Girl being the good for you, good for her genre. I feel like she was trying to do that, but with Saltburn. But I feel like... I don't know, I think that's given her too much credit. I was left cold because his motivations are not I think Yeah, I think A, that's given her too much credit. And I think B... Mm. Yeah, it's just really sloppy narrative writing and like world building like you don't know anyone's motivations for fucking anything like why does that guy just randomly hate him no like the cousin like why does he (laughs) hate him so much well yeah the two characters she pits against each other are the one that's playing poor but you think he's poor at the time and the black guy guy (laughs) like that's not a very good like rich and is like money grubbing off the family and like these two money grubbers are the ones that are like i'm gonna make have like all these deep chats about like hating each other like that's not not how that would work yeah yeah it's like basically saying like oh People that aren't us want to be us so badly that they'll like act against people that maybe share commonalities. Yeah, because there's them. that bit towards the end of the film where he's like, "You will never be a part of this society, but I always will be because I was born into it." Exactly. How I also think that eating the rich is oxymoronic in itself. Mm-hmm. Someone's just put an s an essay on <laughs> right the as a genre i mean like someone's just put an essay not put an essay on i've put the essay on someone's written an essay for the dollhouse where they've written about anti-work fiction so like there's like this rising genre within fiction of people who it's like anti-capitalist like anti-going to work so like convenience store woman and stuff like that yeah and then she's like now that's took off loads of publishing houses are pushing these kinds of books or like buying them from japan basically because it's a big like genre already over there Mm-hmm. And she she posits the point that mm-hmm. these companies are then making money off this sentiment, and that's what Emerald yeah. Fennell has done. Then 
and that's what all these all these fucking TV show and film companies are doing, where the streaming bosses are getting a billion quillion quid. I just don't even think it's an eat the rich. It's not an eat the rich film. But she thinks all. it is. She probably thinks it is. Yeah, I'd love for it to just be erased from my. Memory. And the thing is, though, I will definitely watch it again. No, I will never watch it again. I'll I'll I'll, I'll watch that in like two Christmases from now and go what a load of shite. Not in my life will I watch that film. Anyway, The Hunger Games was really good. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. We were going to talk about The Hunger Games, but I haven't been It's able also to like see three it, hours so long. I wish I watched The Hunger Games. I literally came out like, I wish I saw The Hunger Games instead of this shit. Like, as soon as I left, I was like, I wish I saw it. When you do see it, I'd love to know your opinion. <laughs> we'll put it on our close friends on um, Instagram yeah. so right. everyone can see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you go. All right, well, let's leave it there. <laughs> yeah. I think we've said a lot. And I hope if you went into that film and you liked it, we've changed your mind. I'm sorry to rip your joy from it. Yeah, that's your favourite thing. That's my favourite thing. Yeah, like you love your mind being changed by someone telling you something I about do, I generally do. I always love having my mind I love having my mind <laughs> changed. It's one of my favourite <laughs> things, actually. Yeah, I know. Why do that's I sound like I the substitute it. teacher? <laughs> like, there was a substitute, substitute teacher that would come teacher. into school and be like, I love teaching kids because they just change your mind and they ask questions that make you think <laughs> that's me okay well thank you for your thoughts thank you for your tirades um. <laughs> thank you olivia thank you olivia for editing we'll see you bye. next week bye It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Palmetto Porch.